Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I just have the most wonderful guest on the show as we wind down uh, Health and Awareness Month with uh, with my friend Jamie. She is just a spectacular person as I've gotten to know her, her over the last few years. Um, just really sweet, very dedicated to helping people, to making this world a better place. And she has gone from nursing to opening her own hospice service. And I'll be honest, I did not know that much about hospice. I had, I think, the same connotations a lot of people do. Uh, it's the end of the road. It's where you go to die. It's where, you know, things are pretty grim when you when you get involved with that. But that's not really the case. And she's going, she straightened me out and she's going to help straighten out your thoughts on that as well. Um, but, you know, of all the people that could be doing something like this, she's just perfect for it because she has that that level of uh, knowledge and intelligence of how to to do the function, but also just that right balance of how to handle things emotionally, how to be there for people and not let it eat her up inside. And we talk about that and uh, and a bunch of stuff during the show. So I'm very grateful. We've been working on this for for quite some time, really, uh, because her schedule is incredibly hectic. My schedule is pretty crazy. So uh, glad it finally came together and at just the right time. So thank you, Jamie, so much for coming on the show. I'm very excited to share our interview with uh, everyone listening and everyone who is not listening, but maybe eventually will. So before we get to that, uh, let's see what's going on. So starting next week, we are back on our normal uh, normal rotation of guests. And I'm very excited, very excited to bring you next week's interview. It is one that uh, was was one of the first names I wrote down when I first started uh, thinking about doing this podcast. And, you know, it's one of those things that you kind of, there are certain people that you just, for some reason, you want them on the show so bad that you're actually afraid to reach out to them because you're afraid to get that rejection. But uh, when I reached out, he was very keen to it and uh, it took us a little while to get everything together. But uh, we did the interview and it's absolutely fantastic. It was better than I could hope for. So uh, we'll have the first part of that for you next week. And then eventually we'll have the second part of that for you in another week. Uh, other than that, if you guys haven't checked it out, please head over on whatever app you're listening to this show on. Check out Uriah Heap, The Magician's Podcast. That is the other show that I do. We're, uh, we're well into the album The Magician's Birthday. So I do five shows a week, basically, at this point. On Monday and Tuesday, I release episodes of Uriah Heap, The Magician's Podcast. On Wednesday, I release an episode of this show, The Haskin Cast Podcast. And then Thursday and Friday, two more episodes of Uriah Heap, The Magician's Podcast. Now, it may seem a little bit unbalanced, but the fact of the matter is that with the other show, I very rarely have to schedule guests. I'm doing like one a month. And uh, so uh, basically like one out of every 16 to 20 episodes and that's much easier than with this show where I have to do uh, where I do a guest every episode uh, for the most part. And, um, you know, there's research involved. There's a lot more preparation and scheduling and time consumed. So uh, it's not as easy to knock out this show as much. Plus, this show tends to be a little bit longer. So the editing takes longer. Running all the filters takes longer. And plus, I really want to catch up to where Uriah Heap is at currently. But I have 50 years of history to cover. So... <laughs> I don't know how far along I'll be at when the new album comes out that they're working on, but uh, I'm, I'm catching up at as, uh, as rapid a pace as I can. 
And I'm going to have uh, some bonus episodes uh, as well as some special guests coming on the show. I've had John Matola from the Deep Purple podcast, and uh, that was a great episode. And we have more coming up in the future. So uh, thank you guys. And thank you to everybody in the Deep Dive podcast network that uh, has been so supportive and helpful of me starting that podcast. It really means a lot to me to be a part of that group. Um, check out Terry T-Bone Mathley's new show, too. Uh, um, it's it's. Wow, it just blows me away. It's T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side. And you can find that on uh, on Apple Podcasts. And uh, also, I believe it's on YouTube. So uh, excellent interviews. Uh, very great, great show. So check that out. Terry's a great guy, too. He's been incredibly supportive, and I appreciate that. Um, so that's pretty much it for the, the house cleaning stuff and the updates and all that. Um, if you get a chance, if you like the show, please leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Um, I will see it if it's there. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know if I can see any reviews on Stitcher. I see comments on the episodes, but I don't know if there's any like overall reviews there. Um, but, uh, you can definitely go to iTunes or Apple podcasts and those I will see. And thank you very much for those who have left the show a rating and, and even more for those who have taken time to put a few words down that, uh, it really means a lot and it helps the show become more visible. Um, so that's it. I really want to get to the interview with, uh, with Jamie, uh, absolutely fantastic lady. And I'm so excited that she's doing all the things she's doing. So let's just get right to it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have an absolutely amazing guest on the show this week. She has uh, opened her own business. It's a hospice facility and I don't know much about hospice. So I'm very excited to learn from my wonderful friend, Jamie Wasden Ryan. Jamie, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Thank you so much for letting me uh, join you. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for taking the time. Your schedule is crazy. <laughs> it's fun though. It's fun though. It's it's a crazy fun. Who who doesn't like chaos? I kind of live in that same world. Um, I've been trying <laughs> to schedule some different uh, podcast interviews, and and I realize that just even scheduling because of all the things going on, it becomes a challenge. So I can certainly appreciate it. But what you're doing is you're you're doing something that is really important to people. And I watched you grow this business from nothing into where it is today. And and first of all, I've just been amazed at how much you've put into this, how hard you work and what you've created here. It it took some time and some hard work, but you made it happen. And we sure did. We sure did. You know, you never realize the actual work that goes into it. You know, ideas can be so grand. And then you get your feet in the mud and uh, it's either sink or swim. But you swam and, yeah, uh, and you've made something really special. You guys are very busy at the moment, which is great. So why don't you, if you would, um, give us an idea of like an overview of what hospice is for those who don't know, like me, who probably have a completely wrong understanding of it. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. I think that's the biggest hurdle that we can face is really the education piece of it. Um, everybody has a preconceived notion of what hospice is and what hospice can do for them. Even healthcare providers and nurses, um, they all think a specific thing about hospice. And sometimes there can be some different views out there and I, it can be very scary. You know, I say the word hospice can really throw people for a loop and make you want to sit down and hold your breath for a minute. And uh, it really shouldn't, you know, it really shouldn't. Really what we talk about with hospice is being able to allow those resources. So 
a little example I love to let our families know is if you think your family member could benefit from a nurse coming in every week and getting some good information, education on how to care for your loved one at home, education on medication management, um, having somebody come in and be able to help out in the home, having them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, we are always on call. So there's no, boy, it's 2 a.m. and we just don't know what to do. So sometimes it's just starting there. And then you hear all the time, oh, well, we don't have just six months left, you know, to live. And it's really, we need to get that phrase out of our, our out of our mind because it's really not just that what it is is it's a debilitating disease that you're not seeking aggressive treatment for so examples could be alzheimer's there's really not a cure for that so being able to have someone who's on alzheimer's and advanced alzheimer's meaning they're only aware of their name They're unable to really do a lot of their own activities of daily living, such as cook for themselves, um, sometimes toilet themselves. That's the time to really reach out. It might be a little premature, but the best thing to do is really get that knowledge ahead of time. Really get somebody involved early so then they can kind of check on you and say, okay, boy, I'm so glad you reached out. And we're good right now. You know, we're going to check back with you in a month and see what's going on. And you really are being able to open those doors. So a lot of it is really just establishing the connection for when the the help is needed down the road, as well as I need it now. Correct. I mean, I think sometimes whenever it's the I need it right now, we get really worried because you don't allow that family and the patient that anticipatory grief. You don't, you're not giving somebody that time. And sometimes that's what's needed. You know, having somebody come in and say, it's okay. You know, let's talk about this. Being able to give that time. Nobody ever wants this, but everybody knows this is the end. You know, it's it's that double-edged sword. Nobody ever wants anybody to die But we're all born knowing we will die. There is nothing we're going to do about it. So really being able to let that patient have their independence as long as possible, being able to have that patient not be in pain, allowing that family to be caregivers or not caregivers, excuse me, and let them be family. You know, don't don't put them in the role of just having to take care of mom let her still be mom and daughter. So it's really having somebody come in and really open up the doors for some of this. Right. Is, is part of it, I would think, um, you know, when, when I hear couples talking about, you know, we should probably sit down and, and talk about making a will. And the other party is, is saying, uh, I, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to talk about that. And we put off these things because they're unpleasant, because we don't want to deal with them. And then we're stuck with, we have to make a decision right now. Is that a big part of the challenge is that people just don't want to admit where things are at? It's one of the biggest challenges and also guilt. You know, I think everybody lives a certain way and they want to be remembered a certain way. And sometimes 
you get to a point where you're unable to express your wishes. And so then that family member's left in limbo. I don't know what dad wanted. Dad's always been the one to make the decision. Or my husband has always been the one who kind of leads these kinds of things. I'll just wait to let him decide. You know, and sometimes it's to the point where they can't. You know, a lot of times I'll go into families' homes and I'll just kind of look at everybody and say, if dad could stand up right next to us right now and tell us what he would want, what would that be? You know, and sometimes it's hard putting yourself into that position saying, I know he'd tell me to knock this off, you know, let, let it be. Nobody wants their family to suffer or be in pain, but yet nobody wants the pain themselves to accept that this might be where we're at. Right. And it could be months off though, right? I mean, oh gosh, I think you can have an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year. We, nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody gets to play that role, nor do we ever try. Again, it's just really about that disease process. If you have a specific debilitating disease that you cannot or choose not to have aggressive treatment for, we can really kind of come in and see what we can do to help out. And there's, the list is so long. Uh, sometimes people think it's just cancers. And it's really not. There's so many other things on there. Is it? really a point where you can't take care of your loved one or just don't have enough um, understanding or training to take care of them versus, um, okay, they have a disease and this is the end, so we better get someone in here. I mean, there's both aspects of it. Sometimes, boy, things happen so fast and you, you think I just blinked. You know, grandma was great and she took a little spill and we're only two days later, but we're we're here, you know, so it's both aspects, but it's also, it's not even sometimes I can't take care of my loved one. Sometimes it's, we're at appointment after appointment and my husband is done. He does not want to chase these cures that aren't helping, or he is done chasing something that's not there. There's no help. Our heart, you know, sometimes it's heart disease. That's one of the the hardest ones because nobody can see the heart, but yet we all feel it. And we all know when there's something wrong with the heart, whether it's a broken heart or really a mechanical issue with the heart. And sometimes there's heart issues that you can come on to hospice for. Mm -hmm. So you can look and people think you're fine. Oh yeah, everything's okay. He's still walking around. He's just on some oxygen. He's still able to know who we all are everything that's going on. But again, we say with the heart, that's one of the ones that's the quickest because it can just stop. And, and then what? So we want to be able to help people stop chasing all those appointments too. Our doctors come to them. Our nurses come to them. We have medications delivered to their door. So we really try to help that because we find when people continue to chase these appointments, Unfortunately, especially here in Arizona, the heat wears them out. We've had so many found down on concrete in the middle of the summer because they just took a little spill, couldn't catch themselves, and now they can't get up. And now they're on the burning concrete, um, you know, trying to get in and out of doctor's appointments. Unfortunately, I'm not even going to, you know, 
mentioned 2020, but even previous to that, all the different infections that are floating around, all the different illnesses going in and out of these places are just putting you more at risk. Sure. And as we get older and our bodies degenerate, we become more susceptible to little things that would have just bounced off of us before. Yes. And you become more tired faster. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm getting there already and, and I'm not even <laughs> 50 yet. Uh, you know, as as I am thinking about the, the two grandmothers that I had, um, my one grandmother had a hospice nurse come to her home. I don't know if it was three or four times a week or how often it was, to be honest. It was out of state. I wasn't there. Um, mm-hmm. And that went on for a long time. And then my other grandmother was taken to a hospice facility and passed within hours of, of mm-hmm. being brought there. But she had already... Um, she was losing her capacity very quickly at that point. Um, I'm not even sure in the last conversation how well she knew who I was, but it all just happened so fast. So I've seen both contrasts. The it, yeah. it's, it's going to, to last a while and it's over. I think that's part of the scary thing is when people hear the word hospice, they immediately think, I better say my goodbye really quick. Correct. Or I'm not ready for this. So if I say no to hospice, that means it won't come. Yeah. I would imagine a good chunk of the work that you guys do is counseling as much as it is healthcare. Correct. I think the really great way that a fantastic hospice does it is have a social worker, a chaplain, nurse, very involved. You know, there always has to be that in a hospice. Medicare requires that. It's it's part of that, but really making sure that they're involved. Um, having that social worker be able to not just meet with the patient, but if they're seeing that family member struggling, if they're hearing, you know, we just had a recent case last year that the grandson 11 years old was struggling. So being able to make appointments just with that person really makes a big difference because sometimes it's not just about the patient. Sometimes it's about the family members who need that extra support to say, this is, this is okay. Let's talk about it. To cry is to love. It's okay. Yeah. And, and of course, we're we're getting better at this, I think. But we we've basically been a society that says, if you show your emotions, we're going to laugh at you. We're going to point it out. We're going to make fun of you instead of saying this is the healthiest thing we can do for ourselves and for each other. I see it getting a little bit better, but I would imagine you probably see a great deal of that when you go to someone's home. Yes. You know, they that is one of the things that we try to have everybody do, everybody cry, everybody feel something. Because if you're not feeling, you're not living. And that's not what we want. Do we want to hear our husband of 49 years say, I'm ready to go? No, no, never. But we have to respect that. And we have to let him know, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. You know, and that's one of the hardest things is that patient being able to see their family and say, I want you to be okay, but I need to, I need to be done too. Yeah, it's, it's such a difficult thing. It's probably one of, if not the most difficult things that we face in life is the loss, especially of, of someone who we're very close to. But it is unfortunately something that we do have to deal with. It's, it, there's no choice. And the longer that you put it off, the, the less chance they have of getting help 
or, or sustaining life longer because we're not acting quickly enough. Absolutely. You know, research shows that someone who utilizes their hospice benefit can live up to three and a half months longer. And a lot of times that is in regards to those who are going in and out of the hospital so much, those who are able to stay home, um, not be in a new environment, because unfortunately, elderly people in a new environment can really set off some like Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, delirium when they're in the same four walls of a hospital that's not a very known location for them. So we really try to keep them home, keep them feeling good. You know, our CNAs go out and we do hair days, we do nail days. We They look forward to something, not just sitting in a stagnant position, not looking forward to life. So we really try to find those ways. I think a lot of hospices do, not just Mountain View Hospice. Many hospices are fantastic with that. And that's one of the key things that I think we hear so many uh, really give accolades to is, you know, five years before I was, I wish I would have called you five years before for my dad, because boy, what you're doing with my mom, you're giving her life when we didn't think there was. And those are the things that we love to hear is we want to go in and make them still feel great. Talk to them, listen to their stories, man, the stories that these people have lived the amazing lives that you just record them and you're able to then pass that on to their families too. some of these amazing stories they've done. And people are so shy about uh, talking about themselves. I mean, they'll, they'll post 18 pictures of the meal that they're eating, but <laughs> They that we're really shy about talking about ourselves. And I think a lot of people have led very interesting lives or have had really interesting experiences, at least. And those stories just get lost. So that's amazing that you're capturing that. Yes, it, it is. the Some of the neatest and sometimes, you know, unfortunately, I think so many people can really relate to this you've lost someone and you've gotten older yourself. And then you look back, and you're like, man, I wish I would have listened to grandma some more. I wish I would have questions. I wish I would have written down that recipe or learned how to make pierogies. You know, I wish I would have. And I think that's the thing that we're really trying to help capture is we have somebody go out and we do, we set up like a little interview and they do feel important. You know, they do feel like, oh, I'm going to have to answer. And, you know, and you, they get lost in their, their own stories. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I love that. In thinking about this from an outsider's perspective, it seems like there's three really uh, key things emotionally that go on here. You have obviously the family that you're uh, trying to help calm down and make good decisions and, and you know ease them through the process. And then you've got the patient now who is the the one that is laying in bed staring up at the ceiling and you don't want them to just, you know, be waiting and mm-hmm. not enjoying life. So I love that you're providing something for them that eases their transition, but also just keeps their their mind active as well, because I don't think anything will will end your life faster than just not caring anymore. Right. You know, we, it, it, this was quite a few years ago, I heard a patient tell me, and it has stuck with me so much. He said, this is the longest light in, at the end of the tunnel I have ever seen. And really, it took me a little bit to really understand what he meant. He was diagnosed with cancer 
and there was no curative aspects for him. So it was just waiting, you know, and knowing every day, this is, this is what it is. And that really sat with me. And I really wanted to do something different. Like, what would you, if you could do anything, what would it be? And it's amazing how many of our patients want to just have chocolate ice cream or just be able to talk to a a child that maybe there was a strained relationship with, or maybe just very simple. I want to go see a sunset. How simple and, and very that you think about like, oh gosh, why, why isn't anybody doing that? I think it's because we get so wrapped up in disease processes and we all try to be that fix it. Let's fix this. We need to fix it. We need to fix it. And sometimes we just need to stop and manage, manage symptoms. We don't need to fix them. We manage them. If you're in pain, let's give you something to manage that. If you're nauseated, let's give you something to manage that. We're not going to fix it. We're going to help you manage it so then you can enjoy it. You do want to go out back and look at the sunset. Lovely. And and you're right. I think that we tend to get so caught up in life that we miss a lot of the things that make us happy, even though we're living life in the pursuit of being happy. It's, (laughs) It's such a silly thing. But it seems like we only learn from these things in moments of sadness. I wish I would have, or I need to start doing, but we go right back into our regular lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That's sad. That's true. It's very true. But, you know, it's really, when you stop and you think about it, you know, we went to um, a funeral not that long ago, my kids and uh, my son, after the funeral said, boy, there's a lot of people who got up and stood for this person and spoke. And I said, yeah, that was really neat, wasn't it? And he said, I wonder what people would say about me. And that's really kind of what we do. And being able to stop and say, well, I wonder what they would say about me. Am I, am I doing, am I living life like I wanted to, or was it boy, oh boy, she worked hard. Well, that's not what I want, you know? So sometimes I think our older generation really had it where they were able to talk about every Sunday, boy, we had to go to grandma's house and we all had that meal and going back and listening to some of those. And we love to post a lot of those kinds of things on our website and our Facebook page. And sometimes it does make those families kind of get back together like, nope, you're going to call me, you know, this is what I'm going to make you do every week. You got to talk to me and it can kind of bring you back and think, let's, let's slow down just a minute. Yeah. And and, and it's understandable that we get caught up the way we do, but it, it just seems like we need to really focus on finding a healthy balance and giving people something to talk about, you know, something positive to say when we do pass that, that we've done something in our lives that has made a difference in one way or another. Um, that's not going to be a problem for you, by the way. Oh, <laughs> thank um, you. Now, the, the third component, though, is you guys. I mean, you go into someone's house, you're you're becoming a part of their family in a in a little bit of a way. Um, you're connecting with them emotionally. How is it for you guys to go in and see this family and walk them through the process? How do you join in but but stay unattached? 
Oh, absolutely. I don't think you're ever unattached. And I think, honestly, you know, I was an emergency room nurse and a trauma nurse for years and years. And when I switched fields to hospice, everybody said, boy, that's so sad. How could you do that? I, I couldn't I could never do that. And you you really you stop and think. And it's almost funny because the first, I would say, four months of switching over to hospice, I went home every day and told my family, I heard thank you more today than I have ever heard in my entire career as a flight nurse or in trauma or in the emergency room. It's a different appreciation. And so that makes your heart swell. It it gives you such pride and such a great feeling to hear someone say, you're a lifesaver, but yet we're letting them pass. We're letting them pass in peace. We're letting them pass the way they want to, more or less. They're not in a hospital room. They're not hooked up to all these machines. They're able to come home or whatever they call home and be surrounded with people who love them and can hold their hand and really being able to talk to the family and let them know what a blessing it is as much as it hurts to be able to say goodbye because so many people in life, they, they want and yearn for that so much. I just wanted to say goodbye. And they're able to here because we're able to really kind of help walk them through that. So is it a sad aspect? It absolutely can be. But to know that you can walk into someone's home and make the difference for them to be okay, for the family to be okay. Never, You're never going to be good. <laughs> you're never going to be great. But you're going to be okay. And you, you have me. And then we have bereavement services afterwards. So for a whole year, we're there and sometimes longer. You you do become very attached to some of these families um, and you've gone through a lot with them. And for them to be able to call you up on their birthday and say, you know, I just wanted to hear your voice because you remind me of my husband right now. I want to be able to talk to you a little bit. Do you remember when he told you the story about Vietnam or do you remember the story he told you about this? And you're able to say, absolutely. Do you remember this? And you can tell those little fun stories that makes all the difference. And that I think for a hospice worker, no matter if you're a nurse, a social worker, a chaplain, a CNA, those are the stories and those are the feelings that make the heart so much better. It is such a thankful, thankful job. It's so different. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to describe. It really is. Like I said, you would think in the trauma center and ER, you would, save everybody's life and it, you would feel so good but boy it's so different because this you you're really taking that time and you're making a huge huge impact on so many lives well and in an er you don't get to really know the people and it's so reactionary uh, based on the emergency anyway that you just go into function mode i would imagine uh, i'm sure there's some elements of connection and emotion to it but it, in a like especially anything that's dealing with urgent trauma uh, it just becomes, okay, here's the procedure. Here's what we need to do. Let me get everything ready. Let's get this person taken care of. Whereas going over the course of a year of being with this family and hearing these stories and and really almost becoming a part of the family in a way, um, mm -hmm. just dealing with that constant loss, there has to be some part of you that just knows how to manage that. I don't think I could do it. You know, 
I say I hear that a lot, and I tell people so much. When you when it makes you feel as good as it does, you would yearn for it. Hmm. I I just think back to even you know when I was working in mortgages as a, a mortgage loan processor, and of course people are always telling you sad stories for whatever reason they think is going to help. And at the end of the call, I'd be like, I'm really sorry that your dog was upset by the color of the swing. <laughs> you know, and, and and like, I I don't think that I have enough of, um, I don't know if, if a wall is, I, I don't know what the right term is, but I think I would just become too emotional with it. I don't think I could do that. And I really admire anyone who can, because there has to be some element of you to be able to go in knowing that you're facing that connection. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it does. It becomes, it feels like it's just something that um, isn't everybody. Um, but I do think that when you're able to work hospice, in my eyes, you get to see the good in so many people. You get to see the good that people are. And it just makes all the difference to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, knowing that you're doing something that that helps people in in many ways, and in this case, groups of people. Um, I don't think there's much better in life than that. And I think it's amazing. Um, so I have the uh, the link to your Facebook page of Mountain View Hospice LLC in Peoria, Arizona. Um, I would highly suggest if you're in that area and you you even think that you might need some help down the road, give a call. What what's um, What would be an early sign to say, I better start thinking about this and making, you know, getting on the, the path of making some decisions? Frequent hospitalizations. If you find that you or your loved one is going in and out of the hospital, when I say frequent, I'm talking a couple times a year, I'm not talking to a couple times a month. And it's all stemming from a very similar disease process. It can be the heart, it can be the mind, it can be strokes, cancers. Those are the kind of times, and I say this a lot, even if you're not near Peoria, Arizona, and you just want to ask questions and brainstorm and find out if it's something that you should seek further help or what are the different resources, I would love to help out. I love looking for resources for people to help keep them out of the hospital, out of the doctor's offices and keep them home as long as they possibly can. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I mean, even just just on that, you're making a huge difference in people's lives and them making that decision is is helping to make that better for themselves. Um, before we go, I'm, I'm kind of curious because you worked uh, as a flight nurse. I would imagine for the most part, and, and this could be me being completely naive, it's probably pretty uneventful and boring. You're just flying from one city to another. Oh, I'm in Seattle. Nothing happened. Now I'm in L.A. Nothing happened. But when something does happen, it it has to be, I'm in the zone, immediate response. Like you don't have a lot of time for lag in a situation like that. Right. You know, we, we did it based out of Arizona. So I flew out of Havis, uh, Lake Havasu Parker area. And unfortunately, with Lake Havasu, you have a lot of boating accidents, a lot of spring break accidents. You have a lot of, you know, uh, car accidents going up to Las Vegas. So those are the times that it's instant action, almost like um, paramedics and fire department and police. You know, you have that instant on scene reaction. Yeah. Were there was there something that just made you want to go into that? Uh, I was an adrenaline junkie. Mm. <laughs> 
that's the ER, the trauma, the flight, all those, you know, fall in line with a nurse who loves being able to get in there and help fix things. And that's the way I thought, what I thought I was put on this earth for was to be able to help fix people. And I realized, yes, 100%, all those years, I did fantastic. I fixed a lot of people. And when I decided to kind of switch roles, I'm still fixing people. Mm -hmm. I'm still fixing them and I'm still helping them. It's just in a different role. Right. Well, what you do with your life is beautiful. And and if that was your dream, uh, I I think that's a beautiful dream to be living and you're doing it well. You've helped so many people. There's so many more to come. And I can't thank you enough for doing what you do and helping make the world a better place because that's what we need. Yes, yes. And I say, just don't be afraid. Call, reach out, ask for that little bit of assistance. Yeah, because I can almost guarantee that in most cases, if you don't do it when you should, you'll wish you did. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Jamie. It has been just a joy to talk to you. You're such a lovely person. And uh, I'm so excited that, that you're doing this work and you've grown this business from nothing. It was an amazing journey to follow. And I wish you guys the absolute best of luck. Again, if you guys are in the uh, the Arizona area, the Phoenix Valley, uh, Mountain View, two separate words, Hospice LLC. And I'll have that link in the show notes. Thank you so much, Jamie. I wish you guys great success. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. How do you not just want to run right up to this woman and give her a big hug for all the positive things that she's doing and putting out into the world? I mean, it's the, it's, it's the most difficult time for people and she's out there doing everything that she can to make the process smoother, to make it something that is uh, is meaningful and touching instead of just a horrible memory to look back on. And uh, I, I can't... Uh, can't think of a better way for for people to spend their lives. It's not something I could do, and I really admire anyone who can. So I want to thank Jamie again for coming on the show. I want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode. If you didn't check out my sneak in episode on Monday night, I did a review of the out al- the newest album by the Dead Daisies called Holy Ground. So go check that out. That should be in your app player. It's also on the website. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.